church back in Illinois with me today, I think. Are they here? Melissa and Nate, wave at us. Good to have you. I thought he came to see me, but he actually he came down here to go four-wheeling. So go four-wheeling. But uh, they're great friends of ours, and uh, they came and went four-wheeling. And what's the name of Springs? Something Springs. Oliver Springs, yeah, there's a big four-wheeling place out there. Went and did that, and we had a great time together uh, over the weekend. Great to see all of you. I know, hadn't this been a beautiful fall? Unbelievable, beautiful, loving it. Love the weather. Love being in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I uh, love the series that we're in called "God of the Underdogs." Right. Just a reminder today, one announcement that we are having class after church today. For those of you that are in the growth track, we are having our 201 class today, which is kind of our deeper life class. What, it, what, is it, what are the habits, of uh, the healthy habits of a Christian? And we're going to talk about that this afternoon. Now you might say, well, I didn't take 101, so I can't take 201. Good news, you don't have to take 101 in order to take 201. So even if you just came today and said, I didn't take... 101, but I'd still like to come to 201. Feel free to do that. That is on our Cedar Lane campus, 1015 Cedar Lane, which if you go back to the fountain, just past the fountain, take a right, that's Cedar Lane, a couple miles down on your right-hand side, you'll see Life Church there, uh, our other campus, and we'll serve you lunch. The class will last about an hour, and uh, hopefully you'll really get a lot out of it. We had a great class in 101 last week. And uh, I think nine or ten folks uh, became members of the church last week. Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. <laughs> Woo! These are exciting days here at Life Church. We're kind of in our season of launch. We just launched uh, just a little bit over a month ago, and good things are happening. And uh, we're just excited, and uh, we're kind of bewildered at everything that's happening. We're here in a new building. Everything's new. But uh, it's getting a little more comfortable as we go along. In this series uh, that we're calling God of the Underdogs, we have uh, dealt with different underdogs in the Bible who had different excuses for maybe why they couldn't become all that God wanted them to be. Like David, who was, who was underqualified. I mean, so underqualified that when it was time to search for a king, when they came to David's house looking for a king, David's dad didn't even bother to bring him in the house because it was so unlikely that he would be the one that would be chosen to be king but there was an unqualified person that God used in a great way. There was the Apostle Paul whose past was too bad. His underdog reason would have been, my past is too bad. I mean, he was, he was involved in the killing and the persecution of Christians when God got a hold of his life and his name changes from Saul to Paul, but there was an underdog that God used in spite of the fact that his past was too bad. doesn't matter what your past was, but uh, what matters is your future. Amen? Amen. And so then well, my wife did a great job. I don't let her speak very often because if I do, they'll never let me speak again. But she spoke a couple, sun, a couple Sundays ago on Esther. And Esther was one who, uh, the excuse for not being an overcomer and her being an underdog was that my chances are too slim. And then we did uh, Jacob uh, last week. My reputation is too scarred. Now, the one that was on, on the schedule for today was Jesus, 
And uh, some of you have the book, God of the Underdogs, and we've been using some of the stories in that book. And, and I get ideas from that book, but as you know, if you've been reading the book, my sermons really have nothing to do with the chapter, but they're just good stories about those underdogs uh, in the Bible. This week's was on Jesus and the, ex- and, and the reason for him being an underdog or chosen in this book to be an underdog was because... Um, Nobody recognizes my potential. But, you know, the more that I studied this, this, uh, this particular issue, nobody recognizes my potential, I thought, my goodness, that's, that's not just Jesus. I mean, I, I think in the Old Testament of Joseph, who, who's got this great dream, you know, that, that his brothers are going to serve him, and, and here he is, spends most of his life, and... Potiphar's house and in prison and in a pit and uh, talk about nobody recognizing your potential. And when you look through the Bible, you see it everywhere. And it seems like the conversations that I've been having with some of you is that this is a, a universal principle that a lot of us deal with. Nobody recognizes my potential. So instead of calling it Jesus this week, I'm calling it Jesus, Jesus, Joseph, Jack, and Jill, all right? Because, because every Jack and Jill and Jim and, and Nancy that I know about struggles at times with this, this idea that there's something that's on the inside of us that's, that maybe nobody seems to recognize that, that God wants to use. And if people really knew me, if people understood what I had to offer, you know, that God could do great things with my life. And I want to choose for a text this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And it's a familiar text, so familiar that the Beatles even wrote a song from this one called, For Every Season, Turn, Turn, Turn. Remember that song? (laughs) This is a time for everything. Ecclesiastes 3 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heaven. Time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them together, a time to embrace and then a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. I'm suggesting this morning by using this concept of seasons that there there is a necessary season in your life Where if you are like Jesus and Joseph and Jack and Jill and Phil and Coy and all the people that I know, there's going to be a season in your life of unrecognized potential. When you look at the life of Jesus, you can remember when he's a 12-year-old boy, his parents and they're on the pilgrimage to the temple, and on the way back they forget Jesus, remember that? They forget about him. And uh, Jesus is left there with the teachers of the law. And, and, and finally, Mom and Dad realize that they've lost Jesus. It's a bad thing when you lose Jesus. 
So they've lost Jesus, and, uh, and, and finally they realize that he's not with them. They go back to the temple, and there he is at 12 years old discussing with all of the leaders of the synagogue. And they said, why did you do this to us, Jesus? And Jesus was like, you don't understand. I've got to be about my father's business. You don't, you don't really recognize yet what's inside of me. The Bible says about Jesus that there was times that his own family didn't recognize what was inside of him, and they tried to get him to quit doing what he was doing. And uh, there was a t- his hometown, hey, hey, who does this Jesus think he is? He's, he's just a carpenter's boy. We all know him. He's Joe's boy. Don't get too excited about Jesus. I think this issue of nobody recognizes my potential is, it's very, very universal. I was reading a Facebook post a couple of days ago as I was preparing by a friend of mine. And I heard the post almost like a cry, and it said this. My season is coming, and I will dance and soak in the wine press at harvest time. Hashtag, you're invited to the party. I wrote my friend back, and I... And I said, I'd like to come to that party. And I asked him if I could use that as a sermon illustration today. Because when, when he said that my season is coming, it says to me that he's not in that season right now. He, he's looking forward to some future harvest time when he is going to rejoice. But in the middle of this difficult situation, he's crying out, my season is coming and I will dance and soak in the wine press." I heard when I read that, I heard the cry of, of Job who was, who was complaining that, that my breath is offensive to my wife. Now, my wife could say that too. But I am loathsome to my own family. Even the little boys scorn me when I appear. They ridicule me. All my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. I'm nothing but skin and bones. I've escaped only by the skin of my teeth. And then he says, but I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my Redeemer lives and that... And, and, In the end, he will stand on the earth. In other words, no matter what I'm going through right now, I know that the way that things are right now are not always going to be the way that they are. My season is coming. My season is coming to everything there is a season. And I I don't know, maybe that's all you needed to hear today, that your season is coming. You may be in another season right now, a season of unfulfilled potential, a season when it feels like nobody knows who you are. God has placed unique and special potential in all of us. If you're taking notes today, that's the first thing. God has placed unique and special potential in all of us. We say at Life Church that everyone has a ministry and that every task is important and that everyone is a 10 in something. There's a place that nobody else but you can fill. There's something inside of you. God made you and God doesn't make junk and there's something inside of you. There's some potential inside of you. Some of it's untapped. Some of you are wondering, will it ever come to be? And I came to tell you this morning that your season is coming. Last week we dealt with Jacob. Jacob had a son by the name of Joseph, and, and Joseph was a dreamer. Remember Jacob, Jacob na- his name changes, his identity changed. Remember when his identity changed? When he quit being a heel grabber, 
and he became a God grabber, right? When he, when he stopped grabbing onto his brother's heel and being the cheat, and, but that same grabbing tendency in him, when all of that cheating didn't do any good, he grabbed onto God and he said, I won't go away until you bless me. And so he, he has a son, and his name changes from Jacob to Israel. And uh, he has this son named Joseph. And Joseph is the favored son of, of, of Israel. And if you look at Genesis chapter 37 and verse 3, it says, and I believe it's shown on the screen, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now every brother would like to hear that from your brother, right? His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? Can't you see how brothers do that? Hey, Jojo. You think, who do you think you are, Joey? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this matter in mind. You know the story of, of Joseph. This just wasn't some crazy egotistical dream. This was actually a God dream that God had given him about something that was God was going to fulfill later in his life. It's not the size of your dream that matters. We, our dreams come in all shapes and sizes, but many of us carry unfulfilled dreams around with us. Like my friend Daniel who cried, my season is coming, and I will dance and soak in the wine press at harvest time. They don't have to be audacious dreams. Maybe, maybe you dream of somebody that will love you someday. Somebody to love and somebody who will love you. Maybe it's a business to start. Maybe it's a ministry that's still unfulfilled in you. Maybe your dream is, is going back to school someday and it's never come to fruition. I just, I'm just going to take the risk to be transparent with you this morning a little bit, okay, as, as pastor of this new life church that's springing up here. Can I just confess to you this morning that God's put some dreams inside of me for this church and for the scope of, of what we're to do here. I, I dream that the life church is going to be a life-giving church in the city of Knoxville and it's going it's to make a huge difference in this city. If I could be so bold, I, I dream of a thousand people or more who see themselves as ministers in this city who are going to be influenced because of Life Church. And that may sound audacious to say here this morning as we're just starting out here at Life Church to, to be dreaming such kind of crazy dreams. I see our church being involved in social justice issues. I see our church being an interracial church. I see us being on several radio stations and my wildest dreams I imagine writing someday. 
You know, I've had people tell me about radio, you know, that I have a face for radio. (laughs) I don't know what that means. But I I dream that, that, that we can make a difference in this community and what seems like a small gathering on a, on a fall day here in Fountain City. I don't know what you see this morning, but there's locked up inside of me some dreams. But the next thing I want to share is that on the way to fulfilling dreams, there's some kitchen work to be done. Some kitchen work to be done. I, I borrowed this phrase, kitchen work, from a book that I read by a guy by the name of Robert Bly, and the book was Iron John. But he talked about on the, that there's a necessary point in our development when it's necessary that we become hidden away and we become obscure and people don't know our names and uh, our dreams are unfulfilled when we do some unglamorous things. It's the pooper-scooper stage of life, if you know what I mean. It's kitchen work. It's that stage of life when nobody sees you and when, when it seems like God will the dream ever come to pass. I think there's something important in becoming the person that God intended you to be of going through these times when nobody knows you. Do you know what I'm talking about this morning? You know, I've been thinking about childhood stars this morning. The the, the, uh, history is scattered with childhood stars who didn't do well in future life. The names are, in our culture, we all know them. The Lindsay Lohans and the Michael Jacksons and the Macaulay Calkins and, and, and the latest, which was sad to me, was Miley Cyrus. The reason that that was sad to me is because it was just a couple short years ago that I was sitting in a movie theater with two teenage daughters with tears in their eyes watching Miley Cyrus and her dad sing Butterfly Fly Away when she was Hannah Montana. And I admit, as a man, I'm sitting there, thank God the lights were off, crying in the Miley Cyrus movie with her and her dad singing to each other. But what a far cry from this year's, I don't know if it was the Grammys or the MTV Awards or whatever it was that she was, that she was on where Miley Cyrus has, has reinvented herself and has sexualized her character. And, and here she is just... You know, this this sweet, innocent kid that we saw that, that grow up. But she never, eh, what, what really makes me sad is that she missed, she missed the kitchen work stage of life. You know what I'm saying? She missed the time of obscurity and the time when nobody knew her name. When your character is developed and, and, and that's the times when you slog it out. When, when you just try to field a team to have church. You know, do we have enough people on the prayer? team to actually sing this morning, you know. If not, I'll just stand up here and, you know, do, do acapella. You know, I'm just saying that there, there, those, those situations we go through are important for the development of everything that God's going to do. It's important to be hidden away. If you're reading the book, God of the Underdogs, it's written by a guy named Nathan Keller, and he talks about going to, uh, uh, going to a city in, in Florida to plant a church. And he talks about all these dreams that he had in planting that church. But, but after the first few years, the church was still relatively small. I mean, today all of his dreams have come true. And, and, and he talked about him sitting around in a staff meeting 
and, uh, and, and talking to one of his uh, associates. You know, we ought to be making a bigger difference than we are. And his associate basically said, it's, it, it's just not our time yet. It's not our time yet. I want to say this about this time of unfulfilled dreams. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. I'm preaching to myself. I may, I may be preaching to some others out here that, that, that the season of unfulfilled dreams is often lengthy. I know you didn't want to hear that. But the season of unfulfilled dreams is often lengthy. You know that you can download a song in just a few seconds, right? But it takes sometimes a lifetime to download a dream. To download a dream takes time. Often, oftentimes it's it's many, many years before we ever see a dream come to pass. You know, I think about coming to, to Knoxville. I, I'm no spring chicken. <laughs> I'm 49 years old and holding. But, you know, before coming here, you know, I, I, I didn't just land here. I... I got an education, and I was blessed with a very good education. I went to Wheaton College up near Chicago and got my doctorate at Fuller Theological Seminary. It's, it's one of, the, one of the, the finer seminaries, really, in, in the country and even in the world. I was blessed to be able to receive a great education. But, you know, with all of the education and, you know, and, and even... Even, you know, I know what it's like to have experienced some level of success before. I was, uh, we've got some friends from my last church, and we pastored a great church in Illinois that we saw grow over those 19 years. We were really the largest church in that small town. Never went to the grocery store without somebody not knowing who we were. We couldn't go to a restaurant without people knowing who we were. We were on the radio there. People knew who we were. But, you know... When God called us to here, he called us once again to obscurity. You know, nobody in Fountain City cares who I am. They don't know me when I go to the restaurant. They don't know me when I go to the grocery store. Nobody, nobody, nobody knows my history. There's no, there, there, you, don't get, you don't get benefit from what you did last time. And here I am sometimes thinking, God, I'm 49 years old. And God, there's a dream inside of me. And sometimes I want it to be a microwave dream. You know what I'm saying this morning? Sometimes the dreams that God has for our lives are lengthy in coming about. I want to share with you this morning, though, to watch. Uh, but before I share that, I want to share a quote with you. This is a quote that's really been meaningful to my life. And uh, it's a quote by Walter Brueggemann. Brueggemann said that in the life of faith, we go from being securely oriented to painfully disoriented surprisingly reoriented securely oriented to painfully disoriented to surprisingly reoriented if you look at the life of of Moses for the first 40 years he's securely oriented as uh, being brought up in Pharaoh's palace for the next 40 years he's painfully disoriented as he's in the backside of the desert herding sheep here he was raised to be a king and a prince and a great leader and all he is doing is being a shepherd he's in obscurity then he had the burning bush experience where he is surprisingly reoriented. Joseph, you see it, he is securely oriented as the favored son of his father. He's got the coat of many colors. He's got his dad's blessing. But then he's painfully disoriented, spending time in the pit, spending time in Potiphar's house, spending time in prison before he's finally called up 
and he is surprisingly reoriented. And that's what I want to say. Watch for people who will open doors for you. God has a way of calling you up at just the right time. And there are people that will open doors for you. In the last town that I was at in Murfreesboro, Illinois, and I put her, I put her tombstone up on a picture, it's Sister Mary Bede. Sister Mary Bede Bolzenius was her name. A Catholic nun. Who would think that a Catholic nun would be the one to sort of to introduce me to the community? But Sister Mary Bede was so significant in our community that they had famous people that were up on a, up on a wall of a historic building. Their paintings were up on a building. Uh, General John A. Logan, who was, uh, who was very significant during the Civil War and other people from our area. But Sister Mary Bede was the only living person that was on that wall, even in her lifetime. She single-handedly broke down the wall between Catholics and Protestants uh, in our city. Uh, she just went around and made friends with all the Protestant pastors. When I came there, she was in her 70s, and I was just a young kid pastor, and we uh, started having a prayer meeting on Monday mornings at, at, uh, at, the, at the hospital where she was the head chaplain. Everybody knew Sister Mary Bede, and Sister Mary Bede asked if I would be her pastor. A Catholic nun asked if I would be her pastor uh, d- during that time, and so we, uh, we became fast friends and very close friends. She inter- ended up introducing me to uh, somebody on, on the head of the um, uh, Southern Illinois Healthcare, the second largest employer in our region, and uh, they asked if I would be on the board of Southern Illinois Healthcare. I, here I was, him, I'm a pastor, what do I know about running hospitals? And they asked me to be on, a, we had three hospitals and several doctor's clinics and and uh, all kinds of uh, uh, things that, that they were involved in. Eventually I became the president of that board. And, and, and it, here there was this little Catholic nun that became my best friend. In fact, before I came to Knoxville, I, I, she had died several years before I left for Knoxville. I went back to the place where she was buried. I went to the, I went to the Catholic funeral, uh, at her Catholic funeral, and they invited me, a Protestant pastor, to take the wand and put holy water on her casket to, to uh, actually sprinkle uh, holy water on her casket. Uh, she was so significant that we had uh, a community-wide service in honor of her at our church. Christ Community Church had a service in honor of a Catholic nun. She became a, a door opener for me in my life. She was, she was one uh, that, that uh, anything that I accomplished in Southern Illinois, so much of that had to do with Sister Mary Bede. And I think God likes to do it with people that you wouldn't suspect it from. In Joseph's case, it was Pharaoh. It was the Egyptian Pharaoh who calls him up. I was thinking this morning about Billy Graham. Billy Graham, all of you know his history and and all that he's done and all of the great revivals that he's preached and the difference that he's made. Did you know, though, back in 1949, he was just starting out and he was holding a crusade in Los Angeles, California, and he was a couple weeks into the crusade and the crusade was not going well. And it was a slow news day or something, but William Randolph Hearst, William Randolph Hearst calls the newspapers, he owns the newspaper, and calls and says, I want you to puff Graham. Puff Graham, those two words, Billy Graham writes about it in his book, Puff Graham. William Randolph Hearst 
uh, on the New York Times, uh, on Los Angeles Times, I'm sorry, and made it the front page article, Billy Graham's uh, uh, revival that was happening in Los Angeles. As a result, other newspapers picked it up and other magazines picked it up and uh, the revival went crazy and many uh, Hollywood stars got saved during that revival. But, but it was just somebody, William Randolph Hearst, what an unlikely character to say, Puff Graham, and put him on the front page of the newspaper. And all that you know about Billy Graham, mate, you may never have heard his name if it hadn't been somebody who opened doors. I want you to, I want you to keep your eyes open for people in your life don't expect that it has to come from somebody that you would expect. God can use unusual, unlikely people to open doors in your life. And finally, I want to say this morning that a lifetime isn't long enough to fulfill all dreams. I want to be just transparent enough with you guys this morning to say, as your pastor... I, I want you to see what I see. I see this church making a huge difference in Knoxville and in Fountain City. And I didn't come, I didn't come and leave Illinois so that I could semi-retire. But, but I think one of the one of the most overwhelming realities to me of coming here is that God's got me hidden away again. He's got me back in obscurity again, and back in the place of unfulfilled dreams and. This is where character is built. Some of you are going through unfulfilled dreams right now. Some of you are in a time of your life when you just wondered, God, will I ever get out of school, right? God, will it ever come to pass? But a lifetime is not long enough fulfill all dreams. Ah, but a man's reach should ex- exceed his grasp. Or what's a heaven for? Robert Browning said. Ah, but a man's reach should exceed his grasp. There are people that you may think in life didn't accomplish as much as they could have or should have. But the scripture indicates that some people that you didn't hear much from here. You're going to hear a lot from there. There are people that, that, that lived humble, obscure lives here that are going to be great in the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus said, who would be great in the kingdom of God? Those that are the least. Those that are least are the greatest in the kingdom of God. It's the ones that, that wash the feet. It's the ones that you don't hear about that are in the mission field somewhere obscure you know we've got we've got missionaries to thailand right now from this church that you don't hear about them you don't know what they're doing they're away from family they're away from knoxville they're away from everything that's comfortable they're obscure but a lifetime's not long enough and then i believe sometimes that our influence will go further through those that we influence I want to influence some people in my life that are going to go farther than I went. I want my kids to experience more fruit in the kingdom of God than I experienced. I want to see them fly higher and go farther and do more. I want to 
see you, Life Church. I want to see you succeed. In fact, our vision at Life Church is we exist to move you toward your highest potential as Christ followers. We want to see you reach your highest potential, become everything that God's called you to be. I had a I had a young guy from my last church who's now living in Texas, African American boy named Justin Long. For some time, I became like a dad to him. Didn't have a father, and they, he would come to our house quite often. And he ended up going to Wheaton College, and he's he's out of college now, and he's just got a job working for Wells Fargo and trying to pay the bills. And he was just talking to me this week about these dreams that he had inside of him. I was able to just talk to him about it. It's funny. I said, I'm preaching on that very subject this, this week. And he's, he's talking about coming here in the spring and trying to feel what God would have him do with his life and what his future and ministry is all about. But I just felt like God wanted me to talk to some people today that maybe you feel like all of your dreams haven't come true. You're not alone. It's true of Jesus and Joseph and Jack and Jill. Everybody experiences that time of dreams unfulfilled. Can we bow our heads right now? We're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and we're just going to ask God that he would just continue to show us that those dreams and those unique things that he put in us are for a purpose. And that God has a plan for his life and for our lives, and that he hasn't forgotten us though we might be in a time of unfulfilled dreams, that those dreams will come to pass. So God, I just pray right now for our congregation. 